Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. Hey, welcome to Connect. I'm so excited that you are here today. We're going to have a great time together as we get into God's Word together. We get God's Word into us. We get it out of our lives, into the world around us. So that's what we do here at the Connect Podcast, and so uh, so I'm so thankful for you uh, joining us today. Uh, and want to encourage you grab a grab your Bible if you can, grab a, uh, a notebook or something, a journal. You can take some notes because there's some really good stuff we're going to get into today. Now, as we get into our study today, we're looking at John chapter 12, starting in verse 37. We see that there is a shift happening. We are moving, looking at Jesus' final week before, as he goes to the cross. And and uh, so this, this is a jam-packed week, a busy week for Jesus and I think it's a good time of the year for us to be preparing for Easter that's coming uh, soon. And so uh, we're we're kind of walking along in Jesus' final week, and we see that uh, that some are receiving, some are accepting, some are rejecting. And it's so good, uh, Prasad, to have you from from India watching as well and and participating with us. Today, so so proud to have you with us. I hope this is uh, this is challenging and encouraging and always relevant. You know, the news cycle is always changing, but God's word is always relevant and always true and always speaks right into our situation today. So I know God's spirit is going to do that in your life today as we look at John chapter twelve, starting in verse. 37 and on to the end of the chapter, we see this clear picture here of Jesus. He's um, rejected by some and he's accepted by others. And let's look at the groups of people here and who's accepting, who's rejecting, because we all have a choice to make whether we're going to fully receive Jesus or we're going to uh, keep him at a distance, at an arm's length distance. And so the first picture we see are what I'm calling the irrational unbelievers. They're unbelievers, but it just doesn't make sense that they don't believe. Do you know anybody like that who, um, you know, God is working all around them. They need the Lord in their life, and yet they still refuse to receive him. And the interesting thing is God has already done everything that uh, he can to help people believe. His heart is for people to know him. He doesn't want anyone to uh, be separated from him, either in this life or for eternity, but people still 
reject him. People still refuse to believe. So let's look at verse 37 here of John chapter 12. It says, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw, check this out, Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Isaiah the prophet, 800 years earlier, before the time of Jesus, was writing about Jesus and spoke about Jesus. Let's look at how our unbelief, our stubborn unbelief, when we, when we refuse to believe, we're rejecting the signs and the miracles that God has done. Notice that it says that Jesus did so many signs. I mean, he was he was healing people. He was working, um, and and yet they refused to believe. Why was Jesus working these miracles? Because of his compassion. Because uh, he wanted to help every person he could possibly help. And uh, you know. John, in John at the end, in chapter 21, verse 25, it says that Jesus performed so many works and miracles, did so many things that if it should be written down, the world itself could not contain all of the books. Jesus worked miracle after miracle, experienced and expressed compassion after compassion, help after help, sign after sign, healing after healing. But these miracles that Jesus was doing they were the kind of miracles that that were that were of the heart. They were from the heart of God. Um, he when he saw people suffering and hurting, you know that is not God's desire. That's not God's will. Um, and so these were miracles that only the power of God could perform. But he did the miracles. But check it out. It also says he did them in their presence. And Jesus didn't go off in secret somewhere hiding uh, his, his work or his power. He did it right out in the open in front of people so that they were for a purpose, so that people would know they could trust Jesus, they could see his power, and, and they would turn to him. It was to help people in their unbelief. Can you imagine seeing Jesus work miracles and yet still refusing to believe. That's what it says. It says they still would not believe in him. In fact, in the, the original Greek language there, the, the, the tense is that they were not believing, they were continuing to not believe in him. Even as he was ministering, even as he was working, and he was showing such incredible compassion, such um, such enormous power, but their hearts were closed. Their hearts were hard, even in the face of the undeniable evidence of who Jesus is, that Jesus is God in the flesh, that he's the son of God. But their state, their status, uh, if they were to post a status update, it would be one that was in unbelief. And it's hard for us to even wrap our minds around the fact that they would not believe. 
But then also we see that unbelief rejects revelation and the revelation of the word of God, because this was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. And the arm of the Lord is uh, Jesus. It's, it's Jesus in front of them, in the flesh. So Isaiah had proclaimed God's message, but the people even then didn't believe. And even at the time of Jesus didn't believe. And even today still do not believe. And again, it doesn't make sense. But, you know, when people don't believe, I mean, Isaiah struggled with that. He's trying to reach people. He's trying to tell people. And they still would not believe. And so, uh, so you know, uh, it, it's hurtful. It's hurtful. And you do kind of take it personal. The cry was the beginning of the greatest prophecy ever made about Jesus. Who has believed our message? And the message was the words that Jesus spoke and the actions that Jesus did, the works that Jesus did. Uh, it was it was Jesus. Jesus was the living message of God. And uh, all, all that Jesus did through preaching and his teaching and his actions, his life, it all revealed the truth, but they couldn't receive it. They wouldn't receive it. See, God gave us more than just words, more than just the word of God, which is sufficient. And yet he, he gave us more than just the sound of a voice. He gave us a life to live out the truth. He gave us a person. He gave us Jesus, not only to tell the truth, but to be the truth, not only to say the words, but to live out the works, not only to preach God's will, but to live out God's will, not only to, to teach people, but to show us as an example of how to live. And that was Jesus. That is Jesus. Even in spite of the fact that God sent his own son into the world to, to tell and to give, deliver his message, people still don't believe. They reject Jesus. They deny the truth. And when, when you experience that, and maybe, you know, it, it's not that we see others do that. We do that at times where we do things that make no sense in, in light of the fact that Jesus has shown himself to be so real in our life. Unbelief also, our unbelief, our doubt uh, rejects the arm of the Lord. That's what Isaiah says. And uh, the arm of the Lord means God's strength his power to save us, his power to deliver us and to give us life. And it also, the arm of the Lord is also Jesus himself. Um, he, he is the one who saves us, who, who, who has reached out to us and gives us life. And again, it makes no sense that we would reject Jesus. And uh, when we do that, when we do that, there are consequences to our lives. This is things happen in our life. I want to talk about 
that unbelief because what happens is it says what he says, and Isaiah says this, God blinds and our eyes and hardens our hearts. And so when we choose to reject Jesus, um, even a little bit, even when we just, we just, you know, reject it, push him away just a little bit. It's a very serious business. Um, we may just uh, reject Jesus in our mind and not even publicly. Um, but no matter how small we reject him, God takes that very seriously. We, he, he does not want us to reject Jesus because he loves Jesus. He, 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 this is his, his way of reaching us. Jesus sacrificed everything for us and took all of my sin and all of my punishment and gave his life. He's done so much for me to then turn around and reject him and not believe in him. And when you have an opportunity to trust, you have an opportunity to open your heart, to open your eyes, but you choose not to look to Jesus and not to, to open your heart to him, there are some serious results. Uh, another way to say it is that that when God so loved the world and he has done so much for us, we can't reject him and expect, you know, for our life to just go on business as usual. Um, so what happens is, and this, this is terrible consequences, but the Bible says God will blind the eyes of the unbeliever, not, um, not in a, a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense that you can't see the things of God. God hardens the heart of the unbeliever so that your heart becomes hard and bitter um, the Bible says that apart from Jesus, you know, we have these hearts of stone and he wants to give us a heart of flesh, a tender heart. Um, but also if you refuse to believe in Jesus, God says, well, that you're lost, you're separated, disconnected from him, uh, that you are not going to receive the healing that he wants to give you, that he's not going to show you his glory that he's not going to give you the hope of eternal life. And so we hear that. And, and if you're thinking with me right now, um, you may be asking the same question that I think, you know, is, is a obvious question. Wait a minute. Are you saying, Cole, that, that God causes us to not believe and he condemns us to be lost and separated from him even before um, we were born? No. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible shouts to us in a thousands of ways. No, no one is going to be separated from God apart from their own personal choice. Nobody's going to be separated from God against your own desire. The reason we are lost and separate, separated from God is because we choose to have nothing to do with God and we choose to stay in our lost and dying state. Uh, the Bible tells us that, that God has set certain laws in place and they are enacted when we act. For example, you know, if you're thinking about a, a, a speeding ticket that you get, you know, the law is there to say, don't go over this certain speed limit. And as long as you're driving under the speed limit, you're, you're fine. But then you, you choose to speed up 
and you get a ticket. Well, when you choose to act against God's laws, there is a consequence for that. And um, there is a law of sowing and reaping. The Bible says that if you sow unbelief, that you are going to reap more unbelief in your life and your heart. I think we live in, I say this many times, we live in such a cynical time. You know, it's hard to know who to trust, what to trust. Let me implore you right now, trust God's word. You can doubt celebrities, you can doubt the media, the news, the politicians, you can even you can even doubt me. <laughs> but don't doubt the word of God. Don't doubt the word of don't doubt God. Um, trust in him. There is a law of seeking that says that if you seek, you will find. And the more you seek, the more you find. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. There is also a law of willful stubbornness, of willful uh, hardness in your heart. And the more you harden your heart, the, the longer you refuse to turn to God, repent and turn to God, the, the harder and the more stubborn you become. That's why, you know, most people who come to Christ, when do they come to Christ? Before the age of 18. Because as we get older, as we get older, our hearts get more hard. We get more set in our ways and more stuck in our ways. And if you're not careful, if you think, oh, I'll just accept Jesus later, later on. I'll just trust in him later on. Well, watch out because your heart may become so hard that you never even think about turning to God. In fact, um, Romans 2 verse 5 says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will repay each person according to what they've done. So this is this law of stubbornness. Um, but also there's a law, check this out, of being prepared for destruction. The more you refuse to believe, the more you live separated from God, the more your life looks like you're separated from God. The more you are being prepared and conditioned for destruction. Um, so this happens through our unbelief. So in Romans 9.22, what if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction. So uh, that's what's happening to our life if we refuse to believe. There's also another law. This is a good one. Check it out. The law of God's patience. And this is a great one because God, the Bible says, is not willing for anyone to perish, but he wants all to come to repentance in 2 Peter chapter 3. Uh, verses 8 and 9. Listen to those words. Well, I'm going to back up on that passage. 2 Peter 3, verse 3. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, and we are living in the last days, scoffers <laughs> and mockers, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Um, so let me just pause there. You know, it, it's easy. The, the more, um, sophisticated we are and the more progress we make, 
uh, the more we say, well, it's been so long. It's been so long. And Jesus said he's coming back, but I don't see that he's coming back. Don't give up because uh, the Bible says, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Everyone. God wants everyone to turn to him. Everyone to repent and turn to God. So God allows the world to continue. Why is the world still spinning on its axis one more day? Even in the face of the threat of war, uh, the threat of all of the economic issues that we look like it looks like we're facing all of this why is the world still spinning one reason and that is to give people who do not believe in Jesus one more chance one more day to be saved to come to be a part of the family of God so he puts up with the unbelievers those who are hardening their hearts just so that one more might be saved maybe that's you if you've not trust in Jesus. Maybe that's somebody you love that you're praying for, that you're going to reach out to today so that they can become part of his family. So, but um, he allows people, he allows people to keep living in their unbelief. In fact, he gives people the ability to not believe in him. Your free choice is a gift from God. But check this out. The more they don't believe, the more they don't believe. Did you hear that? The more they don't believe, the more they don't believe. It's just, it's like it's exponential. This is the law of conditioning, that the more you do something, the more you condition yourself to do it. It's like developing a habit, like smoking or eating or anything else. Um, this is what the Bible is saying. Uh, if, if he hardens his mind, if you harden your mind, you harden your heart to the truth, you become condition more and more against the truth so that you will believe lies, you'll live according to lies, and your sensitivity and your heart for Jesus begins to grow smaller and smaller until it is gone forever. The more you reject Jesus, um, the less of a chance you will ever trust in him. And so um, somebody who rejects God's son is really choosing to live in the darkness, to live with a hard heart. And so the result of that, the consequence of that is, um, is separation from God. You get more of what you choose. When you have that stubborn unbelief, you have continued willful sin and disobedience in your life, and you continue to throw your hand in God's face, God's word says you get more of that. Um, God doesn't play favorites. He can't just simply force you or he, he can't force you to, to, to love him and he can't uh, undo the laws that he set in place. So we all have the same choice, but God is not going to violate your free will. He's going to allow you to have the choice. And so, so those are the unbelievers and we spent a lot of time on the unbelievers and I hope you're not an unbeliever. I don't think you'd be watching this necessarily today if you were, but you may be. You may be watching it and be an unbeliever. If you are, choose to trust in Jesus. But there's also another group that you may be in this group. This is the silent believers. 
These are what I like to call uh, undercover Christians, the secret agent Christians. Uh, in verse in chapter twelve of John, verse forty-two. Yet at the same time, even among the leader, e- many even among the leaders believed in him. Let me read that again. At the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. This is uh, the the love of of. People more than the love of God. You might say the fear of people more than the fear of God. But these were chief rulers. These were leaders of the people. And there were lots of them who believed in Jesus. They knew who he was, that he was uh, the son of God, that he was the Messiah. But they kept quiet. Uh, How did they keep quiet? And here's how we keep quiet too. Check this out. First, they didn't speak up for Jesus. They wouldn't confess him. In Matthew 10, 32, Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Yes, you believe, but are you willing to speak up? Are you willing to say and tell people, I'm a follower of Jesus? Why would they fail to speak up? Why would they be afraid to speak up? Because they were afraid of what they'd lose. They were afraid that they would be kicked out of church Uh, the synagogue. They were afraid they would be canceled. They were afraid they would lose their job, their position, their influence. They were afraid they would lose their security. They were afraid they would lose their uh, source of income, their authority. Um, All of the prestige that, that they would have, that they would lose all of that simply by saying, I believe Jesus is who he says he is. I believe in Jesus. I'm trusting in him. They also failed because they wanted the applause of the people more than the applause of heaven. They loved what people gave them. The people gave them acceptance and self-esteem and, and uh, you know, uh, gave them recognition. And so they would rather be approved and accepted by people than approved and accepted by God. And there's just something within us that like, wants that approval and that acceptance and those likes and those follows and those shares and all of this that we want to uh, be popular. We want to be influencers. Uh, Way back, this was in the, this was way, way back. And I remember this show called Candid Camera um, that they kept redoing for many years. But uh, back, back really in the day, for the first time it was on TV, it was hosted by a guy named Alan Funt. And uh, he would, uh, they would catch people just in the act of acting normal. And people would laugh, but it showed how people think. And so in one episode, uh, it was called Face the Rear. And there was somebody who walked onto an elevator. And when you walk onto an elevator, you turn around and you face the door, right? Um, but, but, Three uh, actors who were in on the joke, they came in and they looked at the rear of the elevator. And uh, and then, you know, he's trying to figure out, am I supposed to turn around or not? And then the door opens and another person walks in to the elevator and also faces the back of the elevator. And without fail, every time the the person who was not in on the, the gag would turn around and face the rear 
of the elevator. Nobody wants to be the one left standing the opposite, the normal direction, the way that a normal person would face in an elevator. They wouldn't do it in the face of the social pressure. Uh, listen, I can't tell you the formula for success, but I can give you the formula for failure, and that is be a people pleaser. Try to please everybody. Where do we get the courage to speak up and stand up for Jesus? Well, first, we want to remember that God is so far greater than, than people. You know, God is uh, worth worthy of, of our lives. And we need to remember that we should be living for an audience of one, for the applause of heaven and not the applause of people who are still living in the dark. Why? Why would we want to please all of those people who are not pleasing God? Instead, we stand and live for the truth of, of God and stand on his word. Even if nobody else is, I'm going to stand for the truth of God's word. But we see another group here, and that is the, uh, the true believers. Jesus cried out in verse 44, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. So Jesus says, I am here to point you to the Father, to point you to God. When you believe in Jesus, you're believing in God. When you see Jesus, you're seeing God. And um, he, he is the bridge builder. He is... He, he crossed that, that bridge. Uh, he made a bridge for us to cross over on the cross. Those are the true believers. But then also, there's one other. We see that there's judgment on the unbeliever. Back to those unbelievers in verse 47. If anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. There's a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I've spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I've spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Jesus said here two important things. One, the unbeliever is not judged by Jesus because Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world. He came to save the world. It's our own actions and the word of God that, that judges our hearts. We'll be condemned by our own words and our own actions because now we have the full message of salvation. We know what Jesus has done and God has done everything he can to show us to, to get that message to us. And so we uh, have no excuse and people have no excuse. And so um, we know that Jesus' words are powerful, that when Jesus speaks, that's God speaking. And God's word brings life. God's word lasts. It doesn't pass away. It brings life and brings us from death into life. And the word of God and the words of Jesus, therefore, are the truth, the, the truth of God. And you can build your life on the truth of God and on his word today. So I want to pray with you and pray for you today. And I'm going to pray also that you have the opportunity 
to stand up for Jesus wherever you're at today, to stand on his word, to live out loud, to live boldly and live with the joy of Jesus in your life today. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you today for your goodness. Thank you, God, that you give us that choice to believe or not to believe. And today, God, help us to trust you more, to move into that belief, to move into that acceptance, to open our hearts and our minds, to to see the light, to, to be your light in our world, because we know that this is life or death. This is serious business. So God, help us today to be your hands and your feet, Lord, in our world. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I can't wait to see you really soon. Have a blessed day.